want to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall, a show here on WEHC-FM 90.7, WISC-FM WISE 90.5, where we get to talk to an alum of Emory & Henry. I'm your host, Monica Hull, the Alumni Director at Emory & Henry, and it is my joy to get to keep up with folks and what they're doing and how they're doing. And today in the studio in the McLaughlin Center um, is David, do you say Cahill or Cahill? Uh, potato, potato, but I say Cahill. You say Cahill. Okay, David Cahill, Emory & Henry Class of 2021. How you doing, David? I'm doing good, Monica. How are you doing? Sporty? I'm doing great, and it's so exciting to have someone in the studio and not on the Zoom, so that's fun. Certainly. Um, we wanted to talk because we bumped into each other at a Rotary function, and let me just say, I'm just going to brag on you and embarrass you right here. <laughs> Everybody in Rotary was like, "We love him. He's doing great things. You've got to, you've got to do an interview with him." I don't know how much you're paying those people, but they said really nice things about you. Well, apparently, I pay them enough. So. You're paying them just enough. Do not take them off the dole. Um, we wanted to talk about some some things about community service in particular, but let's start with what you're doing with your job, job, your day okay. job. I see you got on your first bank and trust hat today. That's right. Tell us what you do at First Bank. Yeah, so currently I'm a loan officer at First Bank and Trust Company. Um, so I help facilitate uh, different types of loan products for my customers. So whether they be uh, mortgage loans, business loans, commercial loans, personal loans, really any type of product, and also just whatever they else, whatever else they would need. Um, we help them set up with deposit accounts. Um, if they want to do some uh, trust and wealth management, some financial planning to grow their assets. I'll refer those to, we have some advisors in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it's it's really cool and rewarding to kind of work with my customers at every level and kind of help them navigate, navigate life through every step of the way. So that's kind of what I do right now. Um, I've had a couple of different positions kind of stepping stones to get here, but currently I'm a loan officer. Okay, you say you've had a couple of stepping stones. You've been out of school for like 10 minutes. You finished yeah. in 2021. And what I'm thinking is every loan officer I've known, and I don't want to insult all the loan officers, they tend to be old people, David. <laughs> they tend to be old people. And the fact that you're doing all that, it's it's such an early point in your career so quickly out of college. What kind of training did you have to do to get ready for all that? Yeah, certainly. So, um, well, Kind of back up a little bit before I got to that training portion. So I got introduced to the bank through an internship program at Emory Henry College and uh, didn't really know I wanted to do banking. But when I started, I kind of realized there was a lot of characteristics and aspects in the like banking career path that I liked and enjoyed. And so once I did the internship, you know, they were kind enough um, to offer me a part-time job to get through college. And then as I was working through college, um, I really started liking it. And then I was really blessed to receive a full-time opportunity um, in June of 2021 when I graduated. Wow. And so my first position is kind of uh, interesting, and not every bank has this, but it, it's called a management training program or management associate program. Um, and really, that program was designed by the First Bank and Trust Company to give each individual a really good overall and broad knowledge of the banking industry. Mm-hmm. But really, more specifically, First Bank and Trust Company, how we operate. And so through that program, I spent about a week to two weeks with every department at the bank. Oh, cool. And kind of got to shadow them and see what their day-to-day operations look like. And so that also gave me the opportunity to see what job positions I might like, you know, once I got done with the program, once I completed it. Um, so I did that program for approximately eight months. Um, from that role, I kind of I got promoted to a portfolio manager role. And essentially in that role, I worked with my boss mainly, Brent Dyson, and then another tenured lender in our, in our market named Chad Taylor, and essentially, they would have the face-to-face contact with their customers. They would figure out what they wanted to do, what route they wanted to take. 
um, they would gather all the financials for me, and then I would basically was just complete the underwriting. So I would do kind of the the analytics on it, see if the deal worked, uh, get that into a concise document, a synopsis of the deal. So when a regulator picks up that word doc, they can kind of read what's going on and why we're making this deal. We're kind of defending our position. And then I would present that back to my boss or, or, or Chad, the other lender I work with, and they make a decision on the loan. And so that position really um, helped me understand our credit culture and credit knowledge at the bank and really gave me a good foundation for what I'm doing now because now I'm just underwriting my own loans. So it's been a couple of different kind of positions. Um, so you get to make the decisions. Well, I actually, I so you, I'm a loan officer, but I don't have loan authority yet. Okay. So I can talk to the customers, get the deal ready to go. Like I said, put it in that concise synopsis, present that to my boss, then we can talk about it. And, you know, if he wants to see maybe more collateral or maybe a lower loan amount or something, we can work on a little bit. But um, that's kind of what we're doing now. And I was, I was a portfolio manager for probably about eight months as well. And I've been a lender since February of this year, so about a three-and-a-half-year period. Well, and, you know, I, I, I'm going to show my ignorance, as I always do, that I hadn't really considered how much work would go into, like, defending this as a loan. You mm-hmm. know, like, because you can't put the bank in peril and yeah. make a bad loan. What are the kinds of things that you look for that says, you know, this is a safe bet? Yeah, and so that's that's also another kind of common misconception. People think that it's the bank's money that we're lending out, but in reality, it's their money. It's our depositors' money. Um, so we have, you know, fiduciary responsibility to make sound credit decisions. Um, but, you know, when we, we look at something, so, you know, there's five C's of credit. So there's c- credit or character. So that's kind of the person's, you know, well, obviously character. But you can look at their credit report if you don't know them and see if they're making their payments on time mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And then we look at the capacity, which basically is their ability to repay. So can they make the payments monthly? Then we look at the... Uh, the conditions, like the market conditions and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. We look at the collateral. Um, and then lastly, we look at their capital position, so their assets and their liabilities. And so that's kind of what we run through in that Word doc. We'll kind of at the very top talk about the deal, so like the loan amount, interest rate, term, things of that nature. Typically, I'll do like a background section to kind of talk about the borrowers, like this is their names, this is where they're from. Um, if they have a couple entities they own, kind of yeah. talk about the entities as well, list those out. Um, and then I'll go in there and we'll talk about if the business can make the payments. So if it's a business loan, can they make the payments monthly? We'll look at the business assets and liabilities, the, the individual's assets and liabilities. And then we'll do like a global picture that shows everything. So everything they own, all the debt payments all together. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like macro and microeconomics. Right. Your micro is the company and then the macro is the individual as a whole. Um, so that's kind of the way we look at it and kind of what we put in there. We also just Write a little bit about their credit history, you know, like their credit mix and stuff like that. So, Do all those C's carry the same weight? Well, they're all important, but I would say the most important C would be your character, right? Because you don't want to lend some money to somebody you don't trust. That's interesting. That you don't think it's going to pay you back. Yeah. And then I'll probably put a lot on the capacity piece because obviously they got to make their payments. Mm-hmm. So I would probably say, obviously, character is the most important, but then we also put a lot of um, – kind of focus on that capacity piece and also their capital position too. Yeah. Because you don't want somebody getting a $3 million loan if they only have $50,000 in assets. Right. So. Right. Well, that's interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking, man, there have been banks that took nice chances on me coming along when I was a young person, you know, because you don't have that much starting out. And yet you want to be able to buy a car Mm -hmm. or you want to be able to buy a house and you know, God bless those people who just say, nope, I waited and paid cash, but that was just not how I did it going along, coming along. And it can be challenging for younger borrowers because, you know, one thing we look at is credit history and, you know, all the different accounts they've had. 
and you can't help how old you are. Um, so we've had a lot of borrowers that are 18, 19, maybe have like a small credit card, but they've only had a history of six months. Mm-hmm. So it's just hard to get approved, but there's ways around it. And, you know, typically when you're, when I have somebody in my office, I can get a pretty good feeling about their, maybe not like a perfect uh, position on their character, yeah. but you can get a pretty good idea. And that's something we lean on a lot too. You know, the biggest thing about lending and making loans is relationship building, mm-hmm. right? So when you trust somebody, it's a lot easier to make them a loan than somebody you have no idea. You don't know from yeah. Adam. Yeah, that's interesting. So do you have a whole lot of people that come in just sight unseen, just walk off the street and say, dude, I need a loan? Is that hard? Uh, we do. You know, it's kind of funny. It's ebb and flow. I won't have any walk-ins for a week. And then in the next week, I'll have like, you know, it seems like 10. You oh, know, funny. So It's kind of funny how that works, but... Um, we do have quite a few people that walk in, and surprising to me, we have a lot of people that walk in that don't even bank with us. Yeah. And that's that's surprising, but typically when you see that, they've probably gone somewhere else, gone where they bank, and gotten mm-hmm. turned down, mm-hmm. so then they're kind of just going around. Um, but we do have some people that walk in, and, you know, that can be a challenge. Um, but, you know, I kind of, where I've been doing a little while now, and I've been talking to my boss and, and Chad there, they've kind of given me some pointers and things to look for and things to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it makes it easier to talk to somebody if you've never, if you don't know them, you know, right. and they just walk in. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's the awkwardness, too. I was talking about, you know, if you have somebody sight unseen kind of popping mm-hmm. off the sidewalk, but it's also got to be awkward because it's a small community, and you do know a lot of people, so yeah. if you have to turn somebody down, that's got to be un- uncomfortable. It's the most it's the most uncomfortable part of the job, um, the, my least favorite part of the job, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And I always try to do that with grace and humility, and I also always try to explain why. You know, like, you know, if you if you can correct this, this, and this, or work on this, come back to me in the future, maybe I can do something for you. Then. Oh, that's good. So there's definitely a right and a wrong way to do everything, and it's, it's hard to navigate that sometimes. Um, but So it's a teaching opportunity in a way. It is. It is. It can be a teaching opportunity, but, you know, you definitely, there's a right, or the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. certainly. And it's, like I said, it's at least my least favorite part of my job. It's well, because it can really just embarrass the heck out of somebody. It can. To have to be told, no, you're not a good risk. And so that's, so bless your heart for having the, <laughs> the sensibility to know that that's, you know, that you you want to be told easily that, mm-hmm. or gently, I guess the word is I'm looking for, that, you know, this is just not a good, a good opportunity for us right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had a couple people and it's, it's kind of funny. I don't know. Did you know Lucas McCraw that went here and he yeah. graduated? So yeah. me and Lucas grew up together. Yeah. And he interned with us last summer, and he was in my office, and he'd probably been with us a week. And there was a lady that came in that wanted to get a loan. Uh, didn't really work out. I just I just don't think she had anything on her credit report. Mm. And so we couldn't get her approved, so I was like, well, come in here, Lucas. We'll call her back. And um, it was funny because when I talked to her in person, she's super nice, you know. And I called her back and told her we couldn't get it done for her. And she just starts flying off the handle on me. I oh, mean, she was, no. she was really upset, and I was just kind of like – Kind of taking my medicine, you know, I'm sorry, you know. Yeah, it's kind of yes, no. And then when she hung up, I looked at Lucas, and I was like, well, that's a worst-case situation. <laughs> so you've seen that right off the rip, so. <clears throat> well, it's good that he's getting all the experiences. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he just started laughing. That's funny. So you worked while you were in college, and I'm going to just say that um, I was way too lazy to do that. <laughs> and so I'm really impressed that you pulled that off. But that had to be, A, hard, and B, a great sort of catapult to getting you started once you graduated yeah it was a challenge um but I like being busy I don't like just sitting at the house anyway and I don't know I the reason I started working so I started working when I was 16 part-time I was started working at Food City actually 
started as a bagger, and then I worked in a couple positions. I was a cashier. Um, I worked as a front end manager for a while, and then I kind of ended up in the pharmacy before I came to the bank because I actually could, I was thinking about going to pharmacy school, but that obviously wasn't in the deck of cards. Um, so it, it was hard, like through high school and stuff. But actually, where I was homeschooled. And so my homeschool classes were almost set up like college classes. Okay. So it was kind of nice because I had that, and then I had work. And then when I got to college, obviously the material was probably more cumbersome and in-depth. However, I was kind of used to that, you know, class once or twice a week. Yeah. A lot of homework. Right. Go to work. Um, so you had, a, you had a good work ethic. Well, I would like to think so. I did a lot of my homework on the weekends, but, you know, it worked out good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that not liking to not be busy, let's talk about let's talk about some other stuff you're busy with. Let me first remind everyone we're speaking today with David Cahill, Emory and Henry class of twenty twenty one. He's been out of school five whole minutes. And he's already busy as an uh, as a career bank career person at First Bank and Trust, but also he's a big he's a big community servant. And let's talk about that a little bit. Is that something that you did through high school also, community service? Um, there, there wasn't as many opportunities I took advantage of in high school, but we would volunteer at like the local food banks and things of that nature once a month, kind of help them pack up, you know, boxes of food for people in need. So we did things of that nature. Um, I would volunteer for various, various opportunities, but it wasn't quite the level that I'm doing now. Um, yeah. There were some opportunities that we took advantage of and we were able to help some people out. Um, you know, I volunteered at Salvation Army a couple of times and helped pack the boxes and, and typically my family would would do that growing up, we would get the boxes ready to send out to, mm-hmm. to kids in need. So, um, so you saw your your family sort of making that certainly that example of of community service. Yeah, certainly. I, I can't uh, say enough about my family. I was really blessed to have a great family from my mom and dad to my aunts and uncles. Everybody's really really good, and and everybody's just it's just good people. Good. So. Well, and your sister, you better throw her in, in case she's listening. Yeah, I guess she's okay. <laughs> um. So. Now, you are big-time Rotarian guy. Yeah. When did you join Rotary? So I joined the Rotary Club probably about a year and a half ago, and um, I really didn't know what to expect, but um, Mark Nelson, our CEO, kind of approached me, was talking to me about it, and it's like, I think this would be a great opportunity for you, and my boss was kind of talking to me about it, and so I thought I'd give it a shot. Um, So I went to a couple meetings with an individual named Dan Smith, Mm -hmm. who used to work at First Bank and Trust. He's retired now. And so as I was there, I really, I thought I would like it. And so uh, I joined and uh, there's been a lot of opportunities to serve there. You know, <laughs> yeah, our creed is busy. service above self. Um, so it's definitely a lot of opportunities there. We do various fundraisers and things of that nature. Um, so it's definitely good. And I've enjoyed it. And there's a lot of really good people there too. So We should mention, because there's more than one, uh, there is more than one Rotary Club in Abingdon. So mm-hmm. you're in the noon club, is that right? I'm in the noon, uh, yes, the noon club yeah, the on Ab- Fridays. Okay, mm-hmm. I know. got it. Correct. Got it. And that's, gosh, that's typically a pretty big club, right? Typically. I think I think right now we have around 50 to 60 members. But I think at one point in time, it was close to 100 members. So it's been it's been a little bigger, but that's still, you know. Pretty yeah. good amount of members. Well, t- tell me, this is, you know, maybe one of those things you don't have an answer for, but, like, what do you get out of community service? Or do you get anything? Is it really, I mean, it is service above self, yeah. certainly. But there is there a little something that you get out of it? Do you feel good about being involved certainly. in it? Certainly. Yeah, it feels good just helping people. I, you know, I like just helping people anyway. Like, even when I make them alone, I feel like I'm helping them. So you do get that kind of gratification and, and just uh, that satisfaction of that I helped somebody today. And I think, honestly, it's probably good for your mental health just to know that you helped somebody today. It's probably something you don't think about. Um, I was just talking to my barber the other day, and he was talking about a book 
that an individual wrote that was in the military, and he's like, you know, it's really important to complete tasks, mm-hmm. like just small tasks. Like he, that's one reason I think, and I don't, don't quote me on this, why they have such strict rules about making your bed every day, because at least you've made your bed today, right? That's one right. thing you've accomplished. You got it done. And so you feel accomplished. You feel like you've helped somebody. So I think that's very rewarding mentally. Yeah. Well, tell me about some of the projects you've gotten to be part of through the Rotary Club. <clears throat> so the Rotary Club, and then also there's a, there's a couple of things I do with the bank, too. Um, so at the Rotary Club, um, we do a couple annual fundraisers. Uh, we just did our golf ball drop, so we raise money to disperse. I don't think we've decided exactly where all those funds are going yet. Right. But I think we raised around $7,000 doing that, so that wow. was great. Um, and then our big annual fundraiser is the Frolics, the Rotary Club Frolics. Um, it's essentially like SNL skits, you know, designed <laughs> to be funny. Mm-hmm. I guess it's to designed be determined to be, to be determined if they are funny. <laughs> designed to be funny. Um, in yeah. theory, they're funny. <laughs> and so we do that every year. Um, we typically do that at the Barter. However, um, they got some grant money and are going to be completing renovations to their facility here, so we can't do it there this year. Oh. So we're going to actually be at the Higher Ed Center on January 26th and 27th this year um, to perform there. And it's, it's going to be kind of interesting. I think the concept this year is almost like I guess kind of like a comedy club with a table and then chairs around it and not so much like a theater. Oh, that's interesting. So, so it'll be interesting to see how it works. So yeah. I'm excited about kinda it. Kind of dinner theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of. Oh, and, that'll be fun. And so that's that's our big fundraiser. We typically raise quite a quite a bit of capital doing that. And the um, tickets aren't too expensive, are they? Aren't they like... I think it's $25, yeah, that's so it's not, not too bad. bad. Yeah. Um, so that's that's our big one, but we also do, we know we, we pack uh, boxes for Feeding Southwest Virginia. Um, we have individuals that kind of volunteer to that within the Rotary Club. Um, we also do every year, um, with Joel Hart kind of organizes this, but they have kind of kids in need that maybe won't get Christmas presents. Yeah. And so they'll give us like the kids age range, their shirt size, what they like, things of that nature. And we'll, we'll get funds and we'll go out and buy them some Christmas stuff and then we'll package it and kind of wrap it, you know, and give it to Joel and he'll disperse it as needed. So that's kind of cool too. Sweet. Um, but it was kind of funny last year when I was doing this, I had never, ever shopped for girls' clothes. Oh, how funny. Like This is a good experience. Like, so like my sister, I would get her like a t-shirt or something, but nothing like pants. Yeah. And I didn't know girls' <laughs> pant sizes. I had no idea there were different <laughs> pant sizes. And then the girl, the, the you know, the small girls' pant sizes were different than the adult pant sizes. Yeah. And so I was like walking around Walmart with a buggy just looking around, just clueless, had no idea what I was doing. But I, I figured it out. I was like, why didn't I ask one of my friends to come do this with me? Because I was I this, lost. I had this vision of you like just finding any, any mom oh. with a daughter saying, can you help me oh, just I, figure oh. this out? I'm sure people thought I was a creep because I just stayed around, you know, like the little girl sex, look, just trying to find <laughs> stuff on my list. I was like, I promise I'm trying to do something good here. So <laughs> I hadn't considered just how awkward that could be. <laughs> and actually, I saw somebody I knew and they were laughing at me. I told them what I was doing. They were just laughing. They were just loving it. So <laughs> well, if you ever end up with a daughter, yeah. you're you're steps ahead. Yeah, steps yeah. ahead. Service above self. Exactly. So we do. There's a there's a lot more opportunities I'm missing. I'm sure, but we always try to find a way to give back. And this is our hundredth year um, anniversary of our club. Oh right. And so each month there's a different project we're focusing on. Nice. So. Well, that's really cool, and that's a long time to be to have a club. I mean, certainly that's a big history. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, I think that's really cool. And I, I, I love that you've gotten involved so early because I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Not everybody does this so quickly right out of the shoot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just really impressed that you're doing it so fast. Do you think it helped that, that Mark Nelson looked at you and said, I think you ought to think about doing this? Yeah, I think, I think that helped. Definitely was encouragement to me. Um, I definitely looked into it more because I had heard about the Rotary Club, and I knew a girl that was in it for years and was a president. She really liked it, 
But I didn't know how I felt about the frolics. You know, I had never been, so I was like, I'm, I've never been a theater guy. I don't know if I can do this. But it went it went well last year. They kind of eased me into it and didn't. What they make you do? I was and want- I say make you because you know you know you yeah. have, they you have to voluntold. be made to do something. Yeah, yeah. voluntold. Like well, that. I wanted to be like tree number three in the back. Yeah, but they they uh they just had me. I had a one part where I had a couple lines and it was a couple things. It wasn't anything crazy. So yeah, it was definitely reasonable, and I was very thankful that it wasn't just kind of pushing me out there into the fire. But, yeah, but it worked out good. Well, good. So are you excited about it this year? Or I'm nervous? excited. Yeah, I'm excited. We I'm actually on the show writing committee too, so I kind of oh have gosh. an kind of have an idea what we're going to be doing. And I think it's funny, like I said, but we'll see which one gets the most laughs, I guess. Do you have a theme? Um, we're we're still working on a theme. Okay. So I think that we've narrowed it down to four, <laughs> and um, we're trying to decide, which we have a couple good ones. <clears throat> the one that I enjoy, I don't know if it's going to make the cut, but there's a couple good ones in there. Okay. All right. Well, you're being coy. You're not going to tell us what the possibility is, right? I can't. Mark will kill me. Okay. All right. All right. That'll be, that'll, that'll we'll just have to follow up. <laughs> yeah. If people want tickets to the Rotary Frolics, how, how do we do that? Yeah. You guys can reach out to uh, just anybody in the Rotary Club, you know, and, and tell them you want tickets. Um, always, you can reach out to me or somebody else on Facebook. But typically, you we would just purchase those from the Rotarian, and then you, you give them the funds. They'd give you your ticket. We may have to or we may have to uh, do that slightly different this year because of we're having to operate out of the higher ed center and not, you know, the barter. Theater, yeah. So the ticket disbursement may be slightly different this year, so bear with us on that. Um, but if you are interested, you can contact any of the Rotarians, and we'll once we get a set yeah. plan, we'll let you know. And if 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 uh, people live in a hole and they don't know a Rotarian, then can they message me on Facebook? Can they message you on mm-hmm, Facebook? Certainly. Is that the way to go? Yeah, so- mes- message me on Facebook. I work at the the West Abner branch off Porterfield in Maine and Abingdon. You can pop in there. I'm on the first floor. You can talk to me there. Facebook works. Okay. Yeah. Just look for David Cahill on Facebook. Probably find me somewhere. There you go. All right, David, as we sort of wrap up here, I usually ask everybody this question. You know, when you're in school, which just was a minute ago for you, but when you're (laughs) in school, you don't always know what you're doing that is going to sort of follow you, like what you're going to refer back to or Mm -hmm. what you're going to use. and granted you're still new at this whole professional world or whatever but do you find that there are were there lessons that you learned or classes that you had or people that you knew were there things even if it was just like a friend set or whatever but were there things at Emory and Henry that seemed to be following you out into the world yeah certainly I think that um you know of course we're small liberal arts school um so I actually have stayed in contact with both of my professors who aren't here anymore um one was my advisor and the other I had a bunch of classes with. So I try to eat lunch with them like once or twice a year, a couple times every month. Nice. So I try to stay in contact with them and also the Career Center. Um, you know, they kind of help me facilitate the internship program. And so they'll, they'll have me come talk to kind of the students every now and then and do panels and Q&As and things of that nature. So I also try to stay connected there. But I learned, at Emory, I learned a lot of really good kind of soft skills and you know, I learned a lot, obviously, in my curriculum, and I remember a lot of that stuff, especially in the finance industry from my accounting finance courses. Um, but I would just say the biggest thing I took away is just the people and just the relationships. You know, you can always, if I needed something from the career center, I could always call them, and they try to help me out. And if they, they, they know if they need something from me, they can call me anytime, and I'm glad to help out any way I can. So having that network and really that support is really crucial for me in my career. Because um, if I were to need something, I know that, you know, Lee or, or uh, anybody down there would, you know, take my call and help me any way they could. Yeah. So that means a lot to me. And, I mean, another thing, and I meant to talk about this earlier in community service, if you don't mind me going back, Monica. No, go ahead. So one thing the bank tries to do a lot of, especially with the Virginia Bank Association, is kind of work on financial literacy. 
So I think it's every April is the financial literacy month. And we um, we typically go to local schools, usually elementary schools, and just talk about saving money, you know, simple things. So we do stuff like that. But more recently, I've been talking to some older kids. Like last week on Monday, Tuesday, they did the career expo type affair at the higher ed center. Mm-hmm. And that's where the kids are kind of assigned a role, a monthly salary, uh, things of that nature. And they kind of have to navigate life. And so they were doing that on the first floor in the grand hall. And then they had about six or seven people in the work world kind of talking to the students. So I had to give the same 20-minute set a talk 16 different times over two days. 16? 16 different times. Oh, my goodness. So I had it memorized at the end. It was tuned <laughs> up at the very end. Now, I couldn't remember what I said at the very end, it seemed like, but it was it was good. It was polished by then. Well, yeah. But I basically just talked about kind of myself and my career path, similar, similarly to what we talked about today, and then also banking. But I really was stressing to them the importance of examining yourself and seeing what you like to do on a daily basis and what career paths have those characteristics. And that's kind of what I did. So I love talking to people. I love doing stuff like this. I yeah. love, you know, being involved in the community, relationship building. So banking was a good fit for me. And so I challenged the kids to do that. And I even challenged them to go a step further. And if, if you do have an idea of what you want to do, talk to people in the community that are in those positions. Um, see if you can shadow them. Because you really don't know what somebody's day-to-day looks like until you sit in their seat or walk in their shoes, right? And so a lot of them are like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be, you know, nurse practitioner. I want to be a lawyer. And that's great. But I was like, you guys really need to talk to some professionals because, you know, I've heard stories of people going to college, being super specialized, getting in their career, and they hate their job. I know. Yeah. So that's really important. So that's I do a lot of things like that, too, and that's something I like doing is talking to kind of children and, and kids and kids in school and trying to help them out any way I can. So. Yeah, that is a really good point. Just recently I talked to somebody who she was talking about how she had such a plan until mm-hmm. she did, like, an internship, and she was like, "Thank goodness I did, yeah. because I hated it." And that's why they're so valuable. You can either you can find out if you love it or you hate it. So. Yeah. Well, good for you. Well, good for you. Well, golly, you're 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 volunteering for Emory and Henry. You're volunteering <laughs> for Rotary. You do stuff through the bank. What? How do you? What do you do for fun? I mean, not that volunteering <laughs> is not fun. I shouldn't imply that. Oh, uh, you're clearly having a good time yeah, volunteering. Certainly. But you know, do you also like? I don't know. Have a have a puppy. Well, I, w- I would like to have a dog. However, I don't think I have the time to adequately, you know, allocate to a dog. And I'd love to have them because I love dogs. It's definitely in the plans, just not right now. <laughs> but, you know, I love sports. I still play basketball twice a week. Um, one thing I try to work out every morning, that's one of those things. It's, I think it's good for your mental health. Yeah. Just to feel like you accomplish something every day. So I do that typically five to six times a week. Um, especially before Thanksgiving, I joked around with my family. I went so to the, you could eat more. Yeah, I went to the gym that morning and I burned 800 calories. I did anything all day, and then five o'clock rolled around, and I Piled yeah. On. Oh yeah, it was it was ugly. It was a war scene, but but you know, like I said, I prepared myself, so I think it equaled out. That's funny. But I love sports. I love coming to games here. I come to a lot of basketball and, and volleyball games. Um, yeah. I really enjoy coming to the games at the college here. Um, so I, I like I said, I like to stay busy. You know? Well, you're just the cutest, and I you know I'm gonna. I feel like I should take a play out of your handbook because <laughs> a page out of your handbook because you clearly have got it going on. David Cahill, Emory Henry class of 2021. Thank you for what you're doing in the community. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I love, thank you for the opportunity to do this. Like I said, I love doing things of this nature, so I appreciate it. Well, it's been great to have you in here today. And I want to thank everybody for listening today to the Duck Pond Wall. And we hope you'll stay tuned to 90.7 FM because WEHC is the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you.